Welcome to Biota.org Interviews. I'm Tom Barbelay, and today I have the privilege of talking with Brig Kleiss, who has set up a, an Artificial Life Prize. Brig, for people not familiar with your uh, prize and your background, can you please talk about how you got interested in artificial life? Uh, sure. Tom, thanks for inviting me, by the way. Um, I've always been interested in evolution, and then uh, in about 1982 or three, I, I got interested in panspermia and the possible effects of panspermia on evolution, and and I became skeptical about some of the aspects of Darwinian theory, not that it not about microevolution and adaptation, and not about the history of life on Earth, but about the uh, of capability of a, of a system based on encoded instructions to invent new features in a closed system. And uh, previously, we thought that life on Earth was a closed system. But it turns out that life can, can arrive here. No one's disputing that now. So Earth is not necessarily a closed biological system. And so we can't simply point to life on Earth and say we know that life can evolve and advance and make progress uh, in a closed system because here it is. Well, this may or may not be closed. So how could you find out if uh, a system based on encoded instructions like life or computers can make progress in a closed system? You can design some experiments. And there actually are some experiments in biology. Uh, Richard Linsky at Michigan State, I think it is, has uh, Oh, something like 35,000 generations of bacteria now, uh, where they started with a clone species that they knew the entire genomic sequence of. And so that, that's a close experiment in biology. But not even he is claiming that those bacteria have invented new features. And so uh, one of the problems about this question is there needs to be a, a medium where you can run these generations faster than once every couple of hours or once every day, they need to be able to run faster, and computers can do that. So uh, that's how, that was kind of a long answer, but that's how I got interested in artificial life. Can you give some background to the, the prize that you're currently offering? Well, yeah, when you say I'm currently offering, I'm currently promoting it, and I'm trying to recruit uh, a distinguished panel of uh, people who would be uh, more qualified than I to judge entries and know what's going on in an artificial life uh, model. Um, but I uh, have, have attempted to sponsor research using artificial life models for a number of years. And uh, one of the ideas that I had, and not the only one though, was what about a competition? And uh, I've uh, been promoting this and talking about it for at least five years. Uh, with Mark Badeau, for example. Mark is the editor of uh, Artificial Life magazine. I forgot the exact name of it. And he's the president of the uh, Society, Art International Society for Artificial Life, I believe it's called. And uh, he has gradually come around to thinking maybe it's a good idea. Uh, and it has succeeded, even, even at this early stage, in, in bringing some attention to the question I'm, I'm, I'm asking, which is, is evolutionary progress in, a, in life or a system analogous to it, like uh, computer models, is evolutionary progress, open-ended progress in a closed system even possible at all? 
because people assume that it is a possible. And I'm in, in the, in the uh, sessions where I've promoted this prize, I've at least made people aware that uh, not everybody agrees. Of course, they, may, they they know that anyway. But you can you can you can disagree without abandoning science. And so, all right, I've 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 gone to uh, two recent conferences. In June, I went to the uh, A Life Ten conference in Bloomington at the uh, at Indiana University and uh, had a session promoting the Artificial Life Prize. It was attended by about 50 people. Um, and then uh, about a dozen of them came to a second session over lunch the following day to uh, further plan and strategize. Um, but they uh, cautioned me that before we sign up as your board of directors and agree to start uh, accepting entries, we need to further define a lot of our terms and uh, so uh, the idea that emerged after that was, all right, before we announce a prize and a, and a, and a judging system, we'll promote uh, lesser prizes for papers that would help us define the terms of the prize. And that's, that's basically where we are. I and mean, uh, uh, the, the thing is somewhat stalled at the moment, and uh, I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated by it. But I'm still pushing. and, and uh, and I have uh, Jordan Pollack, for one, who was a, who was the chair of the of the Artificial Life Conference that preceded this one, has taken some interest in the question and is helping me. Uh, he's uh, he, he he too is skeptical about getting it defined sharply enough to uh, to announce and go forward. But uh, at least he's asking me questions that are helping me uh, think about those issues. It's a non-trivial problem in artificial life currently in order to create a, a purely neutral platform where you can test out these ideas without any ideas of presupposition or you know, implicit assumptions or, or things of this nature. As you are in a definitional phase, what's your own personal thinking on, on that issue specifically? Well, uh, I uh, acknowledge that, that it's a very difficult question. And the best that I was able to do uh, in the sessions we've had so far was to say, okay, here are some examples of uh, phenomena that would qualify as uh, exemplifying open-ended evolutionary innovation and, and some that wouldn't. And the ones that wouldn't probably would come from these non-neutral platforms that you mentioned where uh, the thing is uh, supposed to find a solution or find an algorithm or piece together some algorithms that uh, would come up with a with a new uh, subroutine, but the goal is specified in advance, and it and, and the system is rewarded for getting part the way there. So it's kind of it is it's handholding to a solution that's pre-prescribed in advance. That does not exemplify what life on Earth appears to have done, and that would be an example of something that I guess uh, is definitely non-neutral. Uh, but a neutral one, uh, or even a non-neutral one, if it did something that was not part of its original intention, might still be instructive in, and uh, to, to, the, to the question I'm asking, which is can these things, uh, whatever their purpose was originally, can they do things that weren't part of that purpose? That's my question. And I guess if, it's hard to know. Sometimes uh, it's hard to know what was in there in the first place. 
and that's ma that's what makes it difficult to define a, a system as neutral and non-neutral, perhaps. Now, I know you've done some background investigation with regards to certain artificial life systems. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and the issues that you've encountered looking at artificial life? Well, uh, the one that I ever became the best acquainted with was Tierra, uh, which was originally written by Tom Ray. Um, I, he posted a website about it in about 1995, I think, and, and, uh, or, or anyway in the late 90s. And that one, uh, in, the, in that model, he had an, a, a creature that consisted of something like 80 instructions, and there would be a population of them, and they would uh, uh, fill up the memory and F, uh, of the, the available memory of a computer. And then they would begin to mutate, and, and, and more fit ones would replace less fit ones according to some criteria. And so they would evolve. And uh, they did, they, did they uh, supposedly discovered some interesting things, including uh, parasitism. You know, they would merge, or partial ones would merge, merge with other partial ones, and then together they would do things that neither of them could have done on its own. But uh, I didn't think, and I still don't think, that that has that anything has been invented in that example, and in fact, I did talk with Tom Ray uh, in 2001 at some length, and uh, I, I believe he agrees with me. In any case, he says about his model that it's uh, hasn't yet achieved a spiraling upwards in complexity. I believe was his wording. And uh, one of the things that he did was to to invent a uh, a new version of it called Network Tierra, where uh, I guess they thought, all right, the environment, even in a big computer, is not big enough. But if you had a network where these things can travel in the network, then their environment is the whole network, which could be worldwide with the Internet. And so Network Tierra has run for several years now. But still, uh, no one is saying that the, that the creatures have invented some new features for themselves. And I think, in general, that that one, uh, while very instructive and very well known, has not made a breakthrough and demonstrated open-ended evolutionary innovation. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. Well, uh, at the Artificial Life 10 conference, Chris Adami was there, and he talked about, uh, it's a Vita, I believe it's called. And uh, Charles Ofria, uh, who was his main programmer, was also there. And in fact, Charles was one of the dozen who came to uh, my uh, uh, second session. And uh, Chris himself said, to me, listen, I can do open-ended evolutionary innovation right now with uh, Avita, and all I have to do to make it in completely open-ended is just slow it down so that each thing it does takes a very long time, and that way it'll, uh, it'll keep doing them until I'm dead, I guess. <laughs> but uh, somehow that didn't seem very convincing to me. Um, and I think that Charles Ophria understood the question I'm asking, at least, and uh, and he did not say to me, uh, and he had plenty of opportunity, look, we can already do that. Um, so those are, the, those are two examples, I guess, that I know the best about Tierra and Avita. And uh, there are others. But I, don't, I haven't read about any of them either that they've uh, started doing something they weren't supposed to do. And as an example of something they weren't supposed to do, you know, Tierra was rewritten in a network version. But... It's not unreasonable to wonder if Tierra couldn't have evolved into a network version all by itself. 
figured out how to escape through the modem, which was already there, or the Internet connection. Uh, and that would have been a quite inventive thing to do. But it never did that. And uh, that's the kind of thing that is supposed to have evolved in life, the ability to escape, let's say. This returns to the problem that I phrased to you with regards to neutrality, uh, that the, the properties that you are looking for are not explicitly programmed, so they will never actually emerge. Can you talk a little bit more about what you would like to see from artificial life developers? Well, at this point, uh, simply an interest in the question. Uh, someone wrote that assumptions are more striking than ideas, and one of the assumptions that they all seem to have is that uh, open-ended evolutionary innovation in a closed system is possible. And there used to be this uh, f uh, feedback that went between the biologists and the uh, artificial lifers that biologists thought the artificial life has probably already got it done, and the, and the artificial lifers thought, well, we're just trying to model something that we already know happens in biology. But the the project, the process, excuse me, hasn't been demonstrated in either medium. Uh, you know, I explained to you earlier that in biology we don't know if uh, the Earth is, we know that the Earth is probably is an open system biologically. And uh, and then in computer models, uh, well, I've looked at them carefully and they don't, they don't seem to do it. So what I would like from artificial life programmers is to simply say, you know, this is an interesting question and we uh, don't need to assume something that we don't really know. It may or may not be possible. Um, and and it, let me put it uh, in a negative way just uh, to see if that helps. This would be, suppose I have a, a, a claim or a hypothesis that in any system based on encoded instructions like life or like, our, like computers, that whatever is the meaning contained in the original instructions, the starting instructions, the, instruction, the, the instructions that are there in the beginning, that's all the meaning that will ever be there, unless something comes in from outside. Now, the challenge to the artificial life programs would be, okay, disprove that. Disprove that, that claim I just, that hypothesis. And uh, perhaps uh, an interesting discussion about meaning and how to quantify meaning, if, if that's possible, uh, might emerge. But I just think the question is extremely important, and, and, and what I wish at this point is that the artificial life community would recognize its importance. Any final thoughts for the interview, Brig? Well, I, once again, I'm grateful to you. Uh, I, should, I should say that uh, one of the problems I've had, or, or, or here are some of the problems I've had in presenting the artificial life uh, challenge, or the evolution prize is what I'm calling it, uh, is that people are uh, suspicious of my motives, and they know that I have a website where I promote a version of panspermia, and that's true, I do. And uh, uh, if there's time, I'd like to talk about that a little bit, uh, not, not about panspermia, but, but about, about how I got so interested in it. My original interest is in this question that we've been discussing. But early on, I remember reading uh, Thomas Kuhn, I guess, and one of the things he writes is that no scientific theory ever just falls on its own weight, there has to be an alternative that is perceived to be better. And uh, with respect to uh, this question, if the answer is no, what is the alternative? Well, I'm proposing an alternative, and it is the strong version of panspermia. Uh, but I am, uh, when I, as I promote the Evolution Prize, I'm, 
I just want to know the answer to the question. Perhaps my skepticism is misplaced. Perhaps it is possible for uh, a system analogous to life to generate open-ended evolutionary innovation in a closed system. You'd be sure to award the prize in that circumstance. Oh, you sure would. I'd award it and I'd be happy. Happy. We all learned something, not just me. Uh, so uh, I, I have no... I have no ulterior, ulterior motive except to, to know the answer to the question. Um, I would like to make another point about uh, panspermia just because people, people have a knee-jerk reaction that, oh, you know, okay, maybe Earth isn't a closed system, but we already know that the whole universe is a closed system because there was a Big Bang. And uh, it's, it, one of the most interesting things to me is that the Big Bang is the only thing that the Darwinists and the creationists and ID community agree about. They both love the Big Bang because they want there to be a star of everything. But if you scrutinize the Big Bang and the evidence for it, it's the most fluid thing you ever saw. I don't know if you remember, but in 1998, uh, the number one science story of the year was about uh, the acceleration of the expansion of the universe. Until that time, people talked about three scenarios for the expansion of the universe. Either it will collapse, or it will just get bigger and bigger, or it's right on the cusp and it'll kind of coast to a stop. Uh, but they were all deceleration scenarios. And then all of a sudden we find out, wait a minute, it's not decelerating, it's accelerating. Well, the Big Bang Theory was not the least bit affected by that. Everybody said, oh, okay. Well, there's a, there's, that's interesting, but, you know, it doesn't, we don't need to wonder about the Big Bang. We still know that our, our knowledge is sure. And, uh, and, and this is what I say. If the Big Bang is real and, and life started at a finite time after that without miracles, then there should be some way to demonstrate aspects of it. I mean demonstrate, not just speculate about, but demonstrate. And when I look for demonstrations, they are awfully weak and rare. And if, if they are so weak and rare, maybe it's not possible, maybe the prize is not winnable, and maybe biology has something to say about cosmology instead of the other way around. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk with you today, Brick. Tom, thank you. I hope I didn't go on too long. Not a problem. Not a problem.